Welcome to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Chris. I'm Swizz. And uh, we don't have the Ben today. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's this is a unique position for us, uh, old Swizzy boy. But um, yeah, we thought we'd, uh, we'd we'd motor on without him. He's, uh, he's doing parental duties at the moment. So uh, we thought we'd give him a bit of a break and he'll be back on probably for the next podcast later on this evening when we record that one. But uh, we thought we would get on today with uh, with with the Gold Coast. So um Check us out on all of our uh, social platforms, obviously, at uh, SC Insider 100, uh, across Twitter, Facebook, um, well, TikTok, of course, and search for Supercoach Insider. Um, what else are we on? We're on like, yeah, all well, the major mate, podcast SC, stuff. SC 100, uh, Supercoach 100, or whatever it is on the uh, Twitter, mate, and Swiss 26, <laughs> mate. Let's get us on there. You can see that we're really used everything, to this. Don't we? We've got everything these days, but the main ones, mate, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, that, that, mm. that's where it's at. Right. Absolutely. Uh, brought to you by, uh, of course, Splash Vodka. But today, I'm obviously on board with the uh, with the espresso martinis made my, by my beautiful partner. So nice. thank you very much, Eliza. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What are you on today, mate? I'm on the waters, actually. Still on the waters <laughs> on my recovery. So, yeah. Hey, buddy. My uh, my beautiful boy just just decided he would wake up. <laughs> ah, oh, he yeah. wants to Get be on the mind. podcast. So hello, hey buddy. What's going oh, on? There we go. Ah. Hey Noah, why don't you say hello to everybody? It's probably it's probably timing timing too because uh, we've got Gold Coast, so they're always young and that. Yeah, he's and, and you being up there, mate, you, you might be a future son. Absolutely, <laughs> no, he's um such a bright little kid. He's uh, definitely makes my world go around. So um, yeah, very happy as a as a new dad, I guess. But I suppose we'll get right into it. Um, Gold Coast Suns. Uh, so uh, luckily, uh, we didn't actually have to do any research for this, mate, because uh, Ben did it all. So it's probably biased and completely incorrect, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, now nah, we'll get into it. So obviously the Suns, they finished 12th last year. So um, 10 wins and 12 losses. So they did have a, a slight improvement. And this is probably their sort of linear progression that I think that they're having. Um, and I was just rattling off some some interesting stats um, over to Swizz there, is that they actually were first for hitouts per game. So obviously, Wits had a best year yet. Um, that also put them fourth in clearances per game, uh, fifth in inside 50s. Uh, they were third in clangers, obviously, which isn't great. But it, despite those numbers, they were also 18th in handballs per game and 18th in disposals per game and 16th in marks. So basically what that means is if, if they weren't winning it at the clearance, they just weren't pushing the ball forward. And their ball movement probably needs a lot of work. So we we obviously know their engine room is really where the, the big hitters are at. Um, and now they need to develop the other ends. Obviously, Ben King going down early last year, I think that pretty much put a full stop on their season really early. Um, so they are hoping that uh, now with him back, that will change. Um, we'll go with some with the ins and outs, of course, uh, that they have on their list. Before you get into that, uh, mate, just, it's a good point you just made because I think – Again, as Victorians don't get to see them a lot, but the couple of times I did get to see them, it it's not the kick and chip around like a lot of other teams' ball control that they have. It's yeah, they win out of the centre, bang down to you know Miller, Anderson, Raoul, kick it down. Now this year yeah. they'll have King back and Joel, 
um, or it's like the transition game. It's yeah, it's kick, 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 straight down on that. But yeah, unlike a lot of the other teams that can spread and or you know have other alternatives to goal, it, it's you know it's literally stoppage, race down, and that. And that's something. Yeah, if they're going to become a you know a more competitive team, they've got to completely work on. It. And the hope is that they have been working on it because that's naturally a lot of that uh, possession style footy helps super coach points. Yeah, and look, I'm not sure really what Jew's doing in that regard. I mean, is, is, is I'm not sure if it's development. It look, a, a lot of what he's doing looks to me like he's trying to set the club up for long term success. So they didn't necessarily play last year for uh, we're gonna we're gonna make the eight. Yeah, they played last year to get educate their kids on how to play properly. Now, unfortunately, the the ball movement is really what's been stagnant, and it has been for a few years, and they've been sort of trying to rectify that. So. Once the ball's forward, that's fine. But my problem is if they're if there's they're always under the pump. Obviously, Gold Coast, for example, um, get a lot of kick, scores kicks against them. So trying to transition that ball from you know the back line to the forward line is where they really lack. Having marking tools able to you know take some you know, contested marks on the wing and then push the ball forward that's a big issue, of course. But even just that little transition, those forty-five kicks to un- uncontested players to try and open up some space for their runners to run off. That that wasn't really happening either. So if the long down the line, I'm so sick of going to a, a Gold Coast game and seeing them play the same style, which is basically um, if they get a stop, uh, a, you know, a mark at halfback flank, they're not trying to look really often to switch the ball or anything like that. It's just basically long down the line, try and make a contest, um, use their strength, which is their contested ball, and then try and push the ball forward again, um, you know, get a stoppage, et cetera. So I'm not exactly sure... That's not long-term going to win them games. Um, so hopefully that is a style that they're looking to phase out over this off-season. Um, but we don't know yet, obviously, until that comes to fruition and we see some preseason games. But I do feel like it was definitely more of a development year than an actual, okay, we're going to go out and win games of football. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how we go. But that's pretty much where it's at for the for the now. Um so in terms of their ins and outs, so they had uh, Jed Anderson obviously came in after the stoush with um, reported fairly well, I think, between him and Alistair Clarkson that's sort of been uh, lingering over time. Um, Tom Berry was traded in from uh, Brisbane, so the younger younger Berry there. Connor Blakely they picked up as a rookie, so some experience that they can throw into the midfield if they need to. I'm guessing that that really, to, to me, that's more of a injury um, trade-in, you know, so some depth on the list, nothing really else. Bailey Humphrey, the number six uh, draft pick. Um, so great little uh, small, medium forward um, there. Lloyd Johnston, Category B rookie. Ben Long, they traded across from St Kilda. Brody McLaughlin, they, uh, they've picked up a couple of um, uh, preseason supplemental picks, and one of those is Brody McLaughlin. So he's a forward as well. Um, same sort of similar motives like Chris Burgess, um, you know, picked up from the state leagues, um, obviously been proven goal kicker over the over the last few years, and they picked him up. Um I'm assuming, again, a little bit of depth there. And they've also picked up uh, Jake Stein from the rookie draft, who was originally, he was from GWS, wasn't he? So um, some defensive uh, backs there. And then, of course, out. So Jack Bowes was the big one. Um, salary, obviously, cutting was the main reason for that one. However, I found it really interesting that he wasn't even getting any game time. <laughs> so they really got out of that, but obviously had to give up uh, pick seven for that. Uh, Matt Conroy was delisted. Josh Corbett was traded over to Frio, so they got a little bit back for him. Jez McLennan, um, the the guy that I've basically had on my bench every preseason for the last three years, who'd never got a game, uh, was delisted. Oleg Markov delisted and now picked up by the Pies. 
uh, Patrick Murtagh delisted, Reese Nichols delisted, um, Isaac Rankin. So the big one obviously was the trade over to um, to Adelaide there, which was a big loss for them and they didn't want to have. Um, and then of course, uh, Rory Thompson has finally retired. So some ins and outs there. Um, Fixture-wise, they play twice against Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton, North, St Kilda and Sydney. Um, first four, Sydney, Essendon, Geelong, St Kilda. So some so some winnable games, but some hard games there as well sprinkled in. And then their last three are Sydney, Carlton and North. They have the round 13 buy, so arguably the best buy this year in Supercoach. Um, and they've got their draw listed as the 10th hardest or 8th easiest, I suppose, however you want to write that. Um, but they play four home games from the first 10 rounds. So um, not a lot of I think uh, start shining light there. Awful. Their start of the year is yeah. generally um, because it, their, their tough games are at home. So you can, I guess you can look at it both ways. You know, okay, the harder teams you get at home and that which becomes you know, maybe 50-50, but they're going to be hard ones. But then the easier games, you know, they're playing away. So they're not just you'd, – you'd prefer probably some of those easier games at home so you, you know, can bank some wins and stuff. So, you know, Sydney, Geelong, um, you know, to have them at home – yeah, they do have North there, but it's Melbourne as well. Um, so they're yeah, it's 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 tough as you get. Like you get three of the best teams on your home deck, um, and then in, in between that, you're travelling to Fremantle. I th- no, actually no, they're travelling to oh, where are they playing? It's like um, the um, Barossa Valley or something to play Fremantle, um, <laughs> or something like that. Or that might be the Norwood one, or, or it's one one of those sort of things and that. And they still have you know the the Derby against. Um, Brisbane, but that's an away game too. So, but yeah, they've been absolutely. And then I think they've got the back-to-back Darwin matches after that. So, they, they, I don't think they've been helped out by the fixture at all. I um, in that first sort of no, weeks. and I mean, you know, people would argue that they got helped out by the AFL enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, uh, look, I, I actually really like the Gold Coast. Um, I, I really hope that they become successful. Um, obviously, being up here in Brisbane and hating Brisbane. I really want Gold Coast to be to be successful, and they are a fun team to watch. They can be entertaining. The games down at Metricon are fantastic. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone that is on the Goldie and the game, there's a game on to get along because it is a good atmosphere, um, and it's good to go down. Um, but yeah, I, I I really struggle with their their starting list. I suppose this is an overall premiums view. Before we jump into their specifics, starting them, they do have a, a rough run to start. So guys like Took, you know, are you going to be backing, banking him down 660K, you know, um, guys like Wits, you know, they do have some big premiums here. I looked at even Wits's ruck run and it's not great. Like it's it's actually kind of on par. Like I was like, oh, let's just try and like throw him up against say, Darcy Cameron to sort of see what sort of ruck run they have. It's almost identical in terms of their ruck run, in terms of who they're, they're going up against. Actually, it's, I, I thought, it's not even good on I that I actually front. thought his ruck run is not too bad. That's the start of oh, I, like I don't like of... the other the the other premiums for their run, but Sydney and Essendon, Geelong with their makeshift ruck line. Um, okay, St Kilda Sydney and, and yeah, St Kilda Sydney and Essendon a bit more harder right. than that. But then even Richmond, yeah, you know, it's Nank. Like it's not huge. Like Gold Coast, um, North Melbourne is it going to be still Goldie? Is going to be Cherry at that point? So I don't think until they sort of hit that round eight, nine, ten, eleven period where it gets tough, but. I don't mind it in the well, so, five, six weeks. So, yeah, so they, they have Sydney Sydney in their first game, which is not, not bad, but then they've got Geelong. So Stanley is obviously a very negating ruck. Right. Then they play Melbourne, who have been two good rucks. At that point. But Melbourne's... Well, not, yeah, I mean... But that's when it hits. It's like eight, it's like the, the double ruck, then nine's Natanui, yeah. ten's Matt, Big O, 11's English. 
so that he hits the big, the tough ruck, rucks coming into his bye. But before that, um, the only good thing is if you weren't starting wits, and uh, you know, um, probably got into a bit of premium chat right now about him. Um, if you were, some people are talking about the Lysett or Darcy Cameron sort of, you know, options, the cheaper options to see what sort of happens. Yeah. There's potential there as he comes into his buy that he, he you know, might have his toughest games and lose some cash. And um, you can possibly and then pick, pick him up, him up yeah. then. Um, so that's not a bad strategy to look at because I know a few people are like, well, you know, Lysett, can he be this year's wits? Darcy Cameron, can we swing him forward when he's ready to go? Um, oh, well, we may as well just jump straight into wits then, I yeah. guess, because he's probably probably that one. But um, look, at 600, he's he's the the ruck, obviously, that broke out last year, had his best ever year, he averaged 109. Um, however, he was averaging 130 for most of the season and then just decided right in the back end to sort of uh, drop off the cliff. So I'm not too sure if that was... <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Why are you, why are you, he's oh, away there. The that. Yeah, and maybe it's just the fact is he hadn't played, you know, like it just you get tired, worn out. He didn't really have that much of a chop ale. Um And after you haven't played really the whole of the season before, um, yeah, naturally you are going to come a bit tired and stuff stuff like that. But up until then, yeah. But the, the teams, again, like, you know, as we said, he was smashing it. But they were like, yeah, the one forty against Big O, you can see that happening. He, the one thirty six against Darcy Cameron, and Darcy Cameron, that was when he, I think he first took over the ruck role by himself. Sydney's ruck. Um, I, I don't know if Tim, Tim English played that night against the Doggies. I, I feel like English may have been missing. Um, so yeah. Port Adelaide well, didn't have lights. It ended but, up being one hundred nineteen point five over the first twelve, yeah. and then ninety eight. What the I'm last saying 10. is those matchups again, where. Like the end of the year where we were talking about that, yeah, the 116 against Geelong, the the 90 against Goldstein, 85 against Natanui. Um, so he actually got, went up yeah. against proper rucks there. And as he was probably, you know, getting more exhausted as the season's gone on, um, yeah, did drop off. And that's where, you know, we we're just talking about their draw then. Yep. Um, now, it also could obviously be back on the back of his previous injury. So he, he had an ACL the year before, right? So... You know, had a would have been running for quite a long time. Comes into games, and then you know the grind of the season. So I think there's a combination of things there. Um, he also played 22 games, though. I guess at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the only ruckmen that is is doing that. On that, I, I, it's not. He didn't miss because it was soft tissue injuries or stuff like that. You know, he's had the legit ACL. You know, unfortunately, it can happen to anybody. Um, but yeah, no, he was fantastic for those who went with him. Um, and definitely, you know, by far the number one ruck. But, you know, we're now looking at that big $600,000 price tag and is there big sort of better options around it? I think that's where everyone's sort of doing the comparison there, going, can I save some money, even the 20K down to English? Because I think English has got the more upside, but we know his consistency on the field, which is a problem. And then, as we said, those couple of cheaper options around them, you know, the Grundys, the Marshalls, Lysets, Camerons, that's... I think that's where verse yep. where you know which the captain is going to play. He can score really well, and I think he starts really well. But then, yeah, maybe he hits a little bit of a speed bump coming into the bye. Yeah, and I suppose look, what we do know is that the Gold Coast, uh, their midfield's there is their big mover, right? So, like we predicated at the start of the podcast, what the podcast, start of the podcast. Um, you know, they were fourth in clearances and first for hit outs. So obviously, Wits had a lot of hit outs to a really good midfield that obviously could win a lot of clearances. 
So that's going to win him a lot of points just by based on that. Um, one of the things that I really liked, um, really sort of caught my eye in regards to Gold Coast CBAs was the fact that they basically had four guys in the CBAs and then nothing after that. So if it wasn't, um, Took you know, had 80%, Matt Rowland had 81%, Noah Anderson had 72%, and then there was David Swallow who had 39%, and then like a splattering of other guys around that 20% mark or less. Um, Alex Davies had a bit towards the end of the season. Braden Fiorini, when he had a couple of games, obviously played in the guts. Um, but yeah, that's about it. So it's all based on those three, got those those big three, and then there is kind of a space for a fourth because I think that Swallow is yeah, at the tail end of his career. I'm not sure he's going to play much more inside this year. I don't necessarily think Alex Davies is a long term project for them in terms of a, a, a solution to that. The big one that probably comes in is is someone like a. Um, uh, Flanders, obviously, but um, we'll touch on him a little bit later. But, you know, those three guys are, you know, they're rolled gold midfielders, every single one of them. So the, he's going to be tapping to them as long as they stay, you know, fairly well injury-free. You know, I don't think he's going to drop off too much if he does drop. I think he's still going to be pretty consistent. Um, I'm just worried about the price. So, I, I mean, he's been in your team. I think early in Supercoach, he was in my team and I locked him down real early as someone that I'm just, yeah, he's going to play. So like, whatever, I just need a ruck that's going to play because none of the other rucks are there. But do you see him like, what do you see him scoring for the year? What's he's, that? So he's come, he's come out of mine just recently. Um, okay. What's the big reason why? Is it more price? It's more, I think it's structure. Price, the more like I kind of hear that sort of license body and getting through the preseason, I was just more liking that kind of option a little bit more. Um, because it's a big difference in 180 cash, and I don't think it's going to be a huge difference in points. Like, yeah, so he's had a he's had an absolute career year, was and yeah, absolutely awesome. But you know what? What 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 are we talking there? We're talking, um, you know, an average of uh, where we got there 110. I don't think he keeps that up. I think it probably comes back to a maybe 10 you know 102 to 106 sort of range of that and well, he was a career like sort of just under 100 point scorer that's right three, that's right so, like, I, so. I, can he back up 110 i don't it's not improving um so i think it's maybe around that yeah as i said that 102 106 and then the question in my head is okay how close can these other rucks get to him and is it worth it for an extra 100 120k um <sighs> And that's where I'm saying they're sort of looking at that, or even like English is the other one where if I can get out, if I can have an English instead of wits for the 20 grand cheaper, yeah. And but then you're, you're taking more of a risk because you know at some point English is probably going to miss where wits are more confident that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you I think he's a solid choice if you're the sort of person who likes to just kind of set and forget your rucks, don't like to use trades, lock in your wits, Marshall combination. Um, and you probably, yeah, no problems there. The only risk people are going to have there is, okay, Wits, I think he probably gets down to maybe that 550, 560. No, it's not a huge drop, but I think he probably does, flattens out to about that 102. And what if English or what if Lysett, you know, absolutely, like if English just goes off and stays on the park or what if Lysett becomes Wits 2.0 this year and, you know, gets to that sort of same price, if not more, and they're your 
behind everyone else because of that. So you're, the advantage people have who they pick wits is if English goes down, Lysit goes down, something like that, and, and you guys are laughing because, you know, it's like, okay, I want to set and forget. It's not costing me trades. I'm just taking my 105 points each week. No problem. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a solid pick, safe pick. But, yeah, I, I kind of like a little bit more value and risk in some of my picks. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it, um, you know when the when Supercoach opened, I was you know looking at more of a sort of guns and rookies strategy, a little bit more set and forget. You know, pick the guys that are going to be re- really reliable, um, play it a bit more safe. And then we got announced that you got thirty six trades and trade boost back, and you know then I was like, oh, I'm you know balls to the wall. Let's get all the mid prices in. I'm getting all value. I'm value hunting to the to the nines. Um, and it's completely flipped how I'm doing my team. Um, so I can un- understand that too. Um, interesting you talk a lot about Lysette. I suppose we'll get to that in the port pod, but I'm not sold yet. But yeah, I and I'm so. not 100% <laughs> sold either, but and I know some people are more looking sort of your Grundies um, and that range in there, or, and some are still looking to see how Darcy Cameron comes back from that. It would have been Darcy Cameron for me in a, in a heartbeat. Um, but even a few I've seen Draper. You know, I've seen different rucks on the cheaper version, and that's where people, I think, are sitting going, okay, what can I, what can I do with that 180? Do I, I get one of those rookies up to another mid pricer, and is that, you know, it's more of a risk play. But if it comes off, you know, you're flying over those people who've got the safety net. Where the safety net, you're yeah. just hoping this backfires on us. It's a, I mean, it's it. I think that that sort of pick is is like the uh, English pick of last year. Sort of, it's something that I did five minutes before lockout when we found out that English was solo rucking and I was like, yeah, I'm looking him in. Hmm. Changed my entire structure yeah. in the last five minutes of Supercoach. And it worked out for the better. Um, all right, so moving on to Tuke Miller. Obviously, he's the uh, the other prime mover out there uh, in the midfield. Uh, 662K premium, absolute jet. Uh, averaged um, 126.2 in wins and 115.4 in losses. So if, like we predicted, there's a little bit more development and some more wins on the horizon, with the addition of Ben King back into that mix, uh, another year into the kids, another year into that youth, um, and some better coaching. Potentially, let's say they turn that 10 wins into 12 wins. There's potential that he can average a little bit more there. But on the converse, like we've already said, they have a really tough lead run in as well. Um, it's a little bit – I keep thinking of Took and thinking like he looks – absolute absolutely mean like he looks like he's about to just destroy this year um i have a a mate a mate of mine that i work with um is friends with uh uh what's his name he's a player he used to play at the gold coast suns i think he's no still a player ah what's his name alex uh alex sexton oh yeah and they caught up and he he just raved about the fitness of took miller um, over this preseason, he's absolutely killed everyone by a mile um, and he's the fittest he's ever been personally. So um, in terms of a two-way runner that can absolutely destroy you, yeah, Tuke Miller's got the opportunity to do that and he's got the pedigree of a guy that can be an absolute top echelon scorer. So why wouldn't we pick him? I know you've been hot on him, Swizz. So um, it, it, is he still it, in your team? Or? It is because like, we were talking about it at cricket yesterday and yeah, you know, it's what, what our boys are batting. We're, we're talking super coach and everyone's talking about, you know, he just looks so fit, like ridiculously fit. And everybody just wants to pick him on that. We know he's got the ceiling. 
um, which is always what I love in the in the premiums. Like he he bangs out 150s for fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> which he goes um, on these runs where it's like three four games in a row of 150. And oh, go, it's, it's and ridiculous. You turn around, you're like, shit. How did, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah it just it, it's stupid and that like, but he. And he, he doesn't like the floor is pretty good in that. Like you'll drop the old, he drops nineties, but it's not under that. Like he just, so I think he's, he, it could be a, that could have career year for him. I think a lot of people in that debate on, well, a, how many of these top liners do you go? Is it, I feel like the discussion for a lot of people, it's Miller versus Mills in that spot. If you're not going Clary, like a lot of people are on Clary, but if you're not going Clary, it's, you know, Miller, or do I save that extra 20K and, and can Mills do the same sort of thing? But I think they both could potentially be one and two this year. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we finished the year and we saw Took as the number one player. Um, but does that early draw worry me? Do I like the fact that, you know, that buy, you know, I love and hate their buy because I'm like, okay, they're, they're, it's one, two teams on it. And I'll have those three trades available for me if I want, or four if I wanted a boost, but let's just say three trades. Who am I going to grab after that buy? Well, really, listen. Yeah, I've, I've thought Stewart, about that too. Yeah. Um, which I'm probably going to have anyway. And then it's potentially Wits and Took, and that there's not many other players I'm grabbing from those teams. So do I want to, usually my last upgrades are coming from that, you know, early buys. So can I, is Took really going to outprice me? Where the point is, you know, he's going to be seven hundred and twenty k, and I'm not going to have to get him in. I, I'm, am I that worried about that situation? I don't think so. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, can one of the other premiums do the same job, and I just get took straight after his buy? Yeah, look, we're really these sort of players, like the, the guys, guys like took. Like I mentioned this in a tweet earlier, and on a podcast earlier as well. There was four guys that averaged over 120 last year. One of them is Took, right? And um, he's he, he's kind of a must-have if you think that he's going to go that again, which I do think he's going to. Sorry about that. Why is my phone every now and then just randomly playing? Just random, randomly playing stuff like that. No, no, no I get, mate, I get, I know you've got a point there. It's just like, yeah, it's like I think at some point I'll want him in my team. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he, he's so, so, okay, so at some point. Now, we want him in our teams at some point. Five times last year, he scored 150, right? There was two games early on where he didn't make a single tackle and he got a 76 and a 105 in round three and four. Now, in those games, so he went 137, 140, and then 76, 105. That's not normal. He What actually happened was he got a, a bit of a shoulder stinger and it came out later. So I actually owned Tuka last year. Yeah. And... He, I was just absolutely pissed with his shitty scoring. And I was like, what's going on? Like, he looks like he's not interested. Like, he just wasn't the same Took. And it came out, he actually did have a shoulder injury. Um, so that's obviously restricted him. And the, he, I'm not sure if they tell him, you know, no contact, like, or whatever. You know, he's a, he's a, he does hit hard. So is that a, a something from the coach? Like, you know, if you've got the opportunity to maybe don't tackle as hard or don't, just don't go in as inside as much or, Let's use you on the spread instead because he was still inside, but he just wasn't getting the ball like he used to. Um, definitely impacted his scoring. So in those, he had a four-week run, 76, 105, 107, 99, but then came back at it and went 160, 122, 130. Now, um, if that's not the case and you get a fresh toque right off the bat, is he starting like that? And is he going to make you regret not having him? 
because he's just oh, man talking about it. I just don't. Oh, it actually scares me. Not yeah. starting the, fl- the the flip side again with that because we go back to the following year and it's why I started him last year because he went one twenty four the year before, but he had that slow start as well. The eighty, the seventy eight, the ninety six, and then just went absolutely freakish for the for the rest of the season. So. Um, yeah, but we've got, we've got two years of data where he's gone 120 plus. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, so he's going to go 120 again, which means again you're going to start him. Is is 660 a price that you're probably going to pay for him at some point? Like, is he getting down to 600 unless he gets an injury game or something like that? Like, oh, I can't see him really going too much. He's not dropping that much where it's like really worth it. Like mm. 50k probably at some point you might pick him up just over 600 or around 600. But are you really picking him up at 550, 580? Maybe. Oh, and real, that's the thing. The year, the year before, what I just talked about, from round six, he averaged 131 of that. So it was yep. just that, you know, again, that sort of slow start. And then we look at last year because of those um, couple of stingers and stuff. Um, and, yeah, like I think I might have had that game against the Bulldogs, and I'm not too sure why. I should try to find out why he went the 59. But from the um, – uh, where are we here? I'm just trying to find what, what round was the Bulldogs game? Round ten. Um, from the from that game, he actually went one. I think one twenty eight for the rest of the season. So wow, he's he could be technically underpriced, and and that's the thing. I think Laird's kind of priced priced me out of my team. Oliver is the one that spends more time in my team, and I, it comes down to me. It's like I feel like I'm I can only afford to start one of it. Um, of the big four, the way I'm trying to set my team up. So yeah. do I like Clary or Took better? I, I think there's more value possibly in Took, but as I said, the buys, quite, it, it's a thing of going, okay, I already own Took through that buy. It's not going to affect me because, you know, it's still probably going to be best 22. That So, you know, it's, it's not a big deal him missing that week where – can I like? Can I really wait that long? Because what if Took doesn't get injured, and he goes on these runs where he's going one twenty eight, one thirty? Like, what if if he does not get an injury this year or no stinger or anything like that? He could have. He could average one hundred thirty. Yeah, I think there's value in his price point. I think there's between five to ten points of value there, on with a healthy Took. You also got to remember he's now got Ben King. Remember, so he, the forward line gets better. He gets better. So I can only really see, to me, improvement at his price. Um, now, that doesn't mean necessarily he's going up because obviously the magic number thing does come into it and he, everyone's going to drop regardless. I just think that he's the sort of guy with his 150 potentials. It's really hard. If he has, again, five plus last year. So if he has one of those every, you know, one every five games, this is not necessarily how it all works. Mm. You know, those... Averages are going to keep his price really, really high in those three round averages and rolling averages, and so it's going to be really hard to actually drop that down. And I, I just wonder, am I ever going to be able to afford him? Now, yeah, that's the thing. I was just looking, there was nothing the Bulldogs game. He just had a shocker, genuine shocker that game for his fifty nine. So, um, but every everything else, yeah, as we said, he just, God, he, when he when he's up and about, he just, mate, he's one of the best in it. Yeah, I, I struggle for reasons to not pick him. That's, but the, I suppose everyone would have him, right, if we could all afford him. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's not, not a guy well, that's not There's teams like I've seen where they've got yeah, him, Neil, and Oliver. 
and they're just going, okay, we're going yeah. And that's the guns and rookie strategy right there. Um, so, so, I mean, I suppose if we we're looking for a downside, let's look to the other two uh, midfielders that are there that could also be a natural improvement pathway. So you look at Noah Anderson is obviously on the up and up. Big talker as a sort of a mid-price, or sort of under-priced premium. And then, of course, Matt Rowell, um, who is probably a, a mid-priced mid. Um, both absolute guns. Um, I'll just I'll sh- start on Rowell and I'll, I'll shift focus to Anderson because I think Rowell probably has the most upside. You know, he's the guy that was definitely told of those three, he's going to be a more defensive option in that midfield. He's played some tagging roles in the last 12 months. And I don't know if that's you know, set up from due as a way of training him to be more accountable in, in his midfield craft. So, same thing would happen with Tuuk Miller. You know, three years ago, he was basically a designated tag and would tag everything. And then he got let loose and he now is one of the best two-way midfielders in the competition by an absolute mile, right? So is that the same pathway for Raul? Is he now going to be able to run off that leash and find some cheaper ball and be able to actually explode from a super coach perspective? Or is it more of the same for him and that this three, this this midfield three needs a defensive presence in there and they've just identified that, you know, Raul is probably the best at that. So they're just going to keep that going. I don't know where that sits. Um, I'm leaning I suppose the, it's the, the, the first point that you had there, mate, where like what, and it's funny because as you said earlier with the, the CBAs, um, they're the opposite to GWS where GWS just share theirs. It's, they've banked yeah. their top three. I think there might be a little bit of tagging there from real, but yeah, the idea that they could have two guys, we talk about Jack Steele being one of the best out of the two way runners and defensive stuff. Miller's yeah, he might even be number one. If you can have two guys like that, you can have two Tuke Millers in the team, as in Miller and Rao, who both can run both ways and then allows Anderson to just do his thing. You know, it's a real deadly trio to have in there. Well, I think as a – and so if we just talk about – so in terms of Rao, his ability to to, – we know he's he's got the pedigree to score, but I just don't know if the role is there. Now, Hmm. that's where sort of Anderson comes in. He – he's – running ability and his use by foot is unbelievable. Um, he's definitely better forward to center than he is, but he's he's also one of them that can rack up the pill. Um, I love Noah Anderson. I've been a big fan. I was super surprised by his output very this early in his career. I thought he would take longer to develop than Rao. I thought Rao was the one that was, you know, the you know, straight off the bat, ready to go, ready to go. And Noah's obviously played more games now because he does hasn't had the injuries that, that Rao's had to deal with. So, He's more experienced, which is a little bit strange in itself. Um, there's probably room to grow for both players. I, I don't think you can select Real at his price thinking that he's going to break out and then knowing that the other two are already having that much of the ball. Now, I understand as well that the, you know, the super coach pie, how much of that pie does Gold Coast get? They're obviously already fourth in clearances. How, many, how much more ball could that midfield possibly get? in order for them to increase their scoring. Um, that's all, another concern, I guess. Um, they'd have to win more games. Are they going to win more? I've, I've said, you know, maybe 12, uh, 12 wins this season would be a, a great thing for them. Do you see them making finals and maybe doing, you know, 13? I think 14 wins will be minimum this year for final for the top eight, given that there's obviously um, 23 rounds this year. Yeah. That, so can you that, see them getting right. up to 14 no, I, I don't. I think they're in the mix. It all depends on how long their players can stay on the park. If Ben King plays 22 games and they have him as an option, 
you know, then Chol moves to that second option who, you know, looks very serviceable as a forward up there. Um, you know, if Raul can stay fit, yeah, it gives them more wins, which gives them more percentage of the pie. Um, and also, you know, some of those kicks. So if they are in wins and, you know, Anderson, Raul, Miller are, you know, kicking it down King's throat and he's converting them into goals, it's yeah. you know, naturally. So there's a way. Yeah, there is a way. And naturally, just because of the conditions up at Metricon, the games always do seem to be that lower scoring. So there isn't a huge amount of goals where it's taking, you know, some of the games that you see, you know, at, at Marvel, for example, and it's like 120 to 110 and, you know, all these yep. points are going everywhere for people kicking goals and, you know, efficiency acts and, and you name it, where, yeah, I think this midfield and because they play, you know, 80% of the time in that in those guts um, and there's not, you know, the games end up being 70 to 60, they, um, I think they still get a, quite a large part of the ch- you know chunk of the pie and if they're winning more of those games yeah i think that converts that you know we can see you know two going 125 we can see anderson you know it, where was he on last year 100 and or, or close to um um what was he on he averaged hold on 114 the last eight rounds nobody but that's not what he averaged yeah, the overall 100 exactly uh, 100 yeah. Uh, yeah. So yep. yeah, it I think people are hoping it's 110. I think it's definitely 15 and that uh, it it could push push to that 110. Um and then yeah, so I think it's more those three that there's definitely points in them. And we always say, you know, everyone's going up this time of the year, but I think yeah, right. Anderson's probably 5 points, probably Rao's probably 10 this year. I don't think it's going to be the big yeah. jump, jump. Um so and that's why you said yeah, he's not pickable. Anderson, I don't mind the pick because we've seen it, but yeah, I don't think he's going to that one fifteen mark. That it wouldn't surprise me if he does, but it's one yeah. five to one ten. Maybe Rail goes ten points and he gets up to a hundred, and that yeah, you know, was the eighty seven. So yep. he probably gets gets around that range. Yeah, I think I think one fifteen might be a stretch. Yeah, one ten's achievable. One hundred five is probably how many, where it's mid, at. how many midfields I, outside like and it happens like we see. Yeah, Oliver and Petrarca, who are the number one two combination. But yeah, outside of that, like Cripps and Walsh, Hewitt, yeah, you have got three guys going one ten, but not one of them's and gone there's, there's... one thirty in that. Neil, yeah, yeah, he's gone one. Like I think Neil, well, McRae, McRae, would go, McRae and Bont, and, um, but even Bont, yeah, like okay, McRae's going one twenty, one twenty five. Bont in those years is going one ten, one. But the, both guys aren't yeah, going the one fifteen, no. one twenty. And that it's no. very, very rare that you see both players. And you've so they've already got two going 120 plus. Anderson's not going to come and join him at 120. Um and that's the question, I suppose that's the you know, why I prefaced this conversation with you know Raul and Anderson. This is the only point that I can make as to why Took maybe not go to one thirty. Mm. You know, so if the if there's more of a share or more of a load coming off Took and more of the responsibilities going towards Anderson and Raul, or maybe they start shifting those attacking midfielder opportunities over towards Tuke, et cetera. Um, but I suppose the way that he wins his ball at the end of the day is you know, just from his gut running. A lot of it is just from pure spread. So, yeah, look, I, I don't know, I suppose, is the answer. Um, like I don't, I, I, I don't, if, if I don't love want, Anderson for that reason. If people I don't love both Tuke and Anderson, because obviously we did Tuke route last year, but it didn't yeah. come off exactly with Real, but it's not. It's not terrible, and that I just think, yeah, I've. Well, if 
if we were in a year where Tom Green and Tom Mitchell weren't there, I'd be going Anderson for Saudi year. Yeah, I'm I'd actually I'm on Anderson because I can just see that little bit more upside with the wins and stuff like that. But unfortunately, there's maybe the best future. Well, then the Clary um, Clayton Oliver 2.0, and you've uh, at the same price. So who am I taking? I'm taking Tom Green over Noah Anderson. And that's what Yeah, yeah. and that's the other thing. So you've got other guys around yeah. that price point yeah. and that's and and arguably cheaper as well. Yeah. So th- there's also like the conjecture so with Noah um it, it, let's say you'd start with Took or whatever and you get to that round 13 buy and you want to upgrade to these guys, right? Do you really see Noah Anderson pricing you out? It's probably going to cost around the same. Yeah, at worst it's 600. So like it's 50k more on top of it. Like the pricing out, and I know people are like, oh, shit, that's 50K more. But pricing out that when it gets over 100K, because that's what we're talking for those trades. We, we In perfect world, we want to trade for 150K. So if they're getting yep. around that mark, that's how they've priced you out. So Anderson, is he getting to me in the 600s? I don't think so. That, and especially with some of those tougher games early on, you know, is he, go, is he going to go berserk against a Geelong? But, you know, it can happen. Can't say it, you know, it won't, but it's less likely for them to come out and yeah. not only score well against Geelong, but that means they've probably beat Geelong and probably not happening. Are they beating Fremantle, you know, away? It's going to be a tough game for them. Are they going to beat Melbourne? You know, again, it's a tough game for them, and that's in their first eight. So I'm not confident that they're going to come out and go, oh, you know, Gold Coast beat Melbourne by four goals and they score 120s. It's a, I just can't see it, that happening. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so I suppose if we had to um... – in those sort of four mid-price options, would you put Noah Anderson in terms of you know the like LDU Mitchell Green and and Anderson? Would you rank him last in terms? I've of, got him just ahead of, of LDU, because, just ahead okay. because of the buy and that. Okay. And I and I think he's. I actually and I've talked a little bit about this, and we haven't done the North Pod, but I know I've said about this. I just think the way Clarko might set them up might be a little bit more even. I think LDU might get a little bit more def- – we talk about adding that defense and two-way running and stuff like that. It's uh, That wouldn't surprise me. It's the way Clarko yeah. coaches. Um, yeah, where Anderson, I think, there, is their more natural attacking midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a natural attacking mid for sure. All right. Well, All right. I suppose that sort of – hopefully that uh, gives people enough information to sort of make an educated decision on these guys. Um, and we don't know everything. We're just, you know, going through what our existing knowledge is uh, and what the stats tell us and what um, our years of football knowledge yeah, go Years of football knowledge this, and – Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so we'll move on to some uh, mid-prices, I guess. Um, so Ben Long's probably the one that's been a little bit more talked up more recently. Um, I had a look at him and this went completely no straight away pretty much. Um, but just to go through him, he, the one good thing, he's a defender forward. So it means you can start him on either uh, either line and he can switch around with guys. So there are some guys out there that might get forward defenders such as Zeeble, who'll get He'll probably get that because he's a forward only this year. Um, there are some like Ben King, um, sorry, not Ben, uh, Josh Bruce, who will probably get that. So there are some guys that you can have that uh, flexibility with. Uh, but just to go through him, 363K, so not even really a, a, a nice price point. It's a really awkward price. Um, he had the one really great game in round 23 last year where he scored insane and had 17 marks and, and went really well with Supercoach. 
I actually did look at him previously, and I can't remember what it was, but I think it was a preseason game. I think I started with him two years ago. Two years ago, I think maybe. I think in the preseason he went, he was just on fire <laughs> and was playing that sort of halfback, loose, you know, no one on him kind of role where he wasn't accountable. The problem is he he doesn't generally get that role very often. Like he's not the a real super damaging by foot and super damaging as that interceptor. So he often plays lockdown. Now, if he does get a role where he's completely the loose seventh defender, then it does look like that could be something that's good. However, I got burned on this two years ago where he came out and scored like 30s. And I went, all right, well, that'll that'll learn me. Um, so for me, I'm just not even yeah. remotely interested. But I mean, no, yeah. There's 500 people that have got him and those 500 people take him out of your side. This might be family and <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's my thought. Um, so uh, Ben's also listed here, Alex Davies. So we did mention him. He's uh, actually still in 263,000. So because of his... His cog there is sort of that, uh, that, uh, that mid just outside swallow. Is he the one that gets um, some extra CBAs? It's just more of a one to watch. I'm not sure that that will be uh, anything to look at, to be honest, um, this year because the one that we probably should be talking about is Sam Flanders. And I think that he's the one that comes in and now gets that fourth most um, CBAs. And I've been interested in Flanders pretty much from the get-go. He's a forward mid, 256K, so at the perfect price point. But the one thing about this mid-pricer is it's a breakout mid-pricer. So there are, there's, diff- there's, there's all different types of mid-pricers. There's mid-pricers who have been there and done it. They've got the, this previous scoring history and they've, they've, they've had a role change or whatever. It's going back to a, a favorable role change. Or they've, they're just coming back for an injury um, and therefore they've dropped you know, something like a go and they're going back to, again, a, another previous role that has been scored, they've scored well in. Therefore, they're a really cheap price. This one's a little bit different in that we're basically banking on a breakout to happen. And having said that, there is a lot of preseason chatter about him. The coaches have been talking him up. His teammates have been talking him up. How how good he looks inside with his with his use. He had an absolutely amazing back end to the VFL. Um, I think he averaged something stupid like 130 or 140 super coach over the back 12 games or something of the VFL last year. Like he's got the pedigree. He's a top 10 draft pick. Actually, I was pick eleven, I think. Um, and it's just about opportunity. The I think actually, be... I, think you, I think you've mucked up because he was playing in the senior team. I think you're talking about Sardis there, Sardis or whatever. He's um, he was the one, the VFL guy. It's Flanders was playing. Really? Um, Flan... when, when did when did he play? Flanders played the second half of the year in the seniors. Oh, did he? Yeah, yep. Must must have played all forward, really. And that well, definitely was playing. I, I know the player you're talking about. I, I get. I know what you mean with the the VFL. I'll get onto that one in a second. But the Flanders, um, Flanders was definitely playing, and that I think he was playing up in the front oh, line. And that, but he played games, the second yeah. half of the year. And that definitely okay. know that. Um. So yeah. So look, it's it's more about a, a complete breakout, and that would be based on the opportunity of him getting CBAs and getting a lot more mid time. The thing is, he's not going to get that much where he's going to be like an absolute you know, must-have because ultimately what's his best-case scenario in terms of CBA is maybe 40%, 50%, like absolute best-case scenario. Um, yeah. Worst-case scenario is he's just, yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I mean. So, you know, they're not taking CBAs away from, you know, Anderson, Raul, and, and Took. Um, their mid-mix isn't, isn't decreasing to allow Flanders in there. He's, he's always going to be a chop-out with, you know, a forward playing in a mid-roll and not the other way around or off the bench, et cetera. 
Um, so therefore, he's going to be impacted by either time on ground or his time in the midfield. So can he score when he's not there? But at his price, it's still one of those ones where you're like, well, he could really. So he could average yeah, 80 plus, maybe a bit more. Uh, I, um, I'm a little bit less on that. But I feel like if there's one injury in that midfield and that yeah. I don't even care if he's at 300K, then I'm probably trading to get him in. And that, yeah. I, I think, yeah, he, he's just relying, he's one injury away from just really dominating. And that and being a dominant, like, 85 guy and that. But at the moment, I, I've sort of pegged him more that 70 mark, which is still some value because I think that's still about 23, 25 points on his break even. Um, and yep. that, so there, there is some value there for him. I just, yeah, I, I want one injury from going, get this guy in your side. Well, I'm, I'm looking at him as a guy. So I've got, um, I've, a lot of people know I've got Sheed in my side and I've had him for, for quite a while and I'm not necessarily hundred percent sold on Sheed, but I do like the role and I think that he's going to score well, but I'm also of the opinion that if he doesn't work out, I want to trade quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's three guys that I'm looking at in order to do that too. One of them is Will Setterfield. So if, if he gets the that sort of main big mid role at Essendon and big mid minutes, he could he could perform really well. So I want to have a little bit of money left over so I can possibly go up to him. Or the other two that I'm looking at is Flanders and then Callahan. So if I get those, if one of those two fires, I can go sheed down to them and then use that cash elsewhere. So I, I don't think he's going to be one that I want to start but is one that I am keeping an eye on and monitoring. And if things change in the preseason or he does fire early in those first two rounds, he could be someone that I might want to trade through in round three. So I'm definitely keeping an eye on him, but I'm definitely not starting him either. Yeah, no, agree, mate. All right, uh, now on to rookies. Uh, so we'll, we'll try and fire through. This has been a pretty long podcast. Without Ben to sort of control the time. Yeah, and, that, and push- that's it. Well, I know you're going to go into a lot of other rookies, but I'll just start off with um, the first one, and that's which I don't think you've got on the list, and that is that James uh, – now, I think it's Sitas. 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 Let me just absolutely butcher um, names as I always do here. Um, yep. He's the one that finished absolutely on fire in the VFL. Yeah. Um, so they, they don't do the super coach scores, but it's like fantasy scores down there. And, and some of the numbers um, he was putting up – uh, he so was doing like, that was, before. Like, they picked I him up in the sec- mid-season, didn't they? I, I think second last game, and they had 130-odd, maybe 135 AFL fantasy in a VFL yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Like just um, stupid numbers. Yeah, so he's got the the midfield pedigree, and that's the that's the biggest thing, right? So if there's an opportunity and, they, and then he actually gets a game, there'd have to be an LTI to one of the big three hmm. for him to get a look in in a, in a favourable role. Um. But if he is, he's a. I think he's forward, isn't he? Forward mid, mid forward one twenty one twenty three. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, he's the sort of guy that if you got the role and opportunity, and it would have to be through injury, that you'd you'd jump on straight away. And but the the and that's why no one has him right now because I don't think he's a chance to make. And he's in actually. I think he's ten percent. Really? Yeah, ten percent. Crazy because I don't think he's a guy that's probably in their best twenty two. He might be. Well, a I've had him. I must admit, I've had him in an out because I think he but then I was more worried because I'm like oh he's probably going to be that sub option yeah I I think that he's a guy that you look as a sub and they let's say they sub off a big maybe Chol gets rested Mm. or maybe even go off with wits I don't know how that would go 
um, but they want a little bit more mobility. And then they throw him on as an extra midfielder around the ball. Yeah, that could be an opportunity for him. But I can't see him getting the right rookie opportunity without an injury to their midfield. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's a big, big no um, at this stage. At this yeah, stage, but, yeah. but um, I'd be looking elsewhere. Um, ben King, obviously, is a very talked about 176K forward. I think the appeal for him is a couple of things. And it's first and foremost that he's quite clearly their best forward by an absolute mile. Um, and for that reason, he's not a sub risk. You know, they're not going to sub him out in the fourth quarter. You don't get shorter. All right. So that's not going to happen. However, he does, he has posted some really, really shocking full game scores. And there's conjecture over that as well. That, that whole pathway of those scores is that, yeah, Gold Coast were a lot worse. They've got a lot better. You know, he straightens them up a lot more. He should get more opportunity. Um, so, therefore, has that risen his floor? And the, the answer is probably, yeah. He's also had, obviously, another couple of years in the system, et cetera. Um, so, I can understand that. What you're really hoping for King is that in the first week, two weeks, three weeks, he has a bag in him. So, he hits a four or five goal bag, hits you an 80 to 100, and really that gets that cash gen started because he also has the potential to drop a 20, 30, 40. Oh, it's not even that, mate. So. Like, can I, can I get, so obviously he missed all of last year, 2021, which, you know, it's only his third year. Didn't he have system, a nine or something see, like that? Yeah, he, he had a run. It was one split, he's gone 22, 24, 25. Then he's gone the big bag, he gone 114. And then he went 11, 11. And then he scored. <laughs> and then, that was probably scaled then, up. Then he's gone 12, 21, 18. Like, Oof, yeah, and that's the worry because his break even's thirty two, and people are like, oh well, you know, he, he averaged fifty three. There's a hundred k there. Surely improves, gets to an average of sixty. But he can put, it, and it's not like the odd one game. Okay, yeah, he's going to come out and kick your bag, get your hundred and twelve. Might put up this stupid twelve the next week, and then comes back and gets his fifty, sixty, seventy. He actually can do a month of scores under twenty. Um, yeah, it's not out of the question, and, and that does really scare me. Um, and the other thing is that at his price point, there's other guys around that too that you'd be looking at for similar sc- scoring or better scoring. Um, his security comes with the fact that he's not a sub risk, but it comes with a huge other risk of lack of scoring opportunities. So you'd be banking on the fact that Gold Coast are a better team, which they are. Um, yeah, losing Rankin, I think, really hurts. Yeah, he really showed last year he's an absolute massive force um, you know, when delivering inside 50 and can be a goal assist king. So that that does help and uh, sorry, can, hurt them yeah, a little bit. Coming off an ACL potential. and he's getting the number one defender each week. And there's some now, and that's the other thing we talked about the draw. That's a, that's the other part that really worries me. So yeah, Ben King's like appeared in my team, but yeah, when when we talk about round one, Sydney, like Sydney's one of the best defenses in the league. But yeah, probably don't have the the gorilla like there's the McCartan boys like compared to some of the other gorillas, but that they work so well as a defense and, and very miserly down there. Round three, Geelong. Like Geelong give nothing away. Um, so yep. they're their home games as well. And we and we talked about early on the year, it's quite warm. If they're evening games, which I'm not too sure if they are. Um, yeah, yeah, could be greasy up there. Ball's a bit slippery. That's it. Most of them are, are nighttime, nighttime games because they're trying because to of the heat and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that that too. But they're also trying to generate the crowds and things like that. And the, yeah, they want to have those um, experiences down the Gold Coast. You know, they sell a lot of those packages. Yep. Um, so, Actually, yeah, I do I have it here. So 
yeah, the um the Swans games the Saturday night at eight PM. The Geelong game is actually a, a Sunday Sunday game. Are that um are that even then, but yeah, you're getting to what's it round six till they get North Melbourne. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a way. And even and then, by then you want to be trading him out. I, I, I <laughs> I'd be wanting to. to trade him. I would be hoping to get about eight weeks out of him, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the problem. It's the really soft couple games. You know, it might, it might be and he scored well against Richmond before, which is round seven. But we're talking West Coast that round nine. Yeah, it's it's a hard one because Sydney, Geelong, Freer, who don't allow most goals, three of their first five games, and that it's probably their th- yeah. three toughest games to play against. I think I started with him in my first round one team, and then I haven't had him in my team ever since. Um, so, of, of, yeah, I would I'd much rather um, for yeah, I know it's a, a lot more expensive, but I'd much rather Oscar Allen. Um, you know, proven commodity has. Is especially is, what's happened with Jack Darling there? Is he, Jack is he Darling, down? yeah, like, he's had a. I'm not too sure if he's a serious ankle. I know he got injured like yesterday, but I'm not sure down, but how bad it is. Yeah, Oscar Allen's now the pretty well the number one forward at West Coast, which is similar thing. But yeah. the, the difference to me, Allen, a little bit more seasoned there. Um, yeah, but he's got the the home deck gives them more room to play. The better conditions for forwards, like we've seen Kennedy for so long, and it's not like Kennedy's gone out and averaged hundreds, but. Yeah, you know they get more space at home. The West Coast forwards usually bob up and kick three and four goals. It's it's pretty well guaranteed. Well, the, and the, well part of the reason is their setup is like that. Hey, and the the difference with the Gold Coast setup is that they they're not designed for that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's clearance or don't win it at all. You know, they're not a transition team. They don't. They're not a kick and mark team. They don't create space like you know, West Coast do. And the other so thing with West it's Coast, a very different. It's they start. They've got North Melbourne. They've got the Giants in there, and then before they start hitting your Melbournes and Geelong, so there's the ability for Oscar Allen to kick your yeah, three, four, five. Where we've just talked about some of those games, and Ben King's in thirty percent of teams, so this is why it's very relevant. Ooh, but, yeah, that's huge. huge. Um, so a lot of people are banking on him being the guy, and you're going, okay, it's can you, you need him to pretty well average fifty five to sixty to really be looking at your 100 to 150k i'm not confident he comes out and like yeah second round does it maybe kick some goals against the bombers it's not guaranteed they still got a decent back line but yeah what is what is geelong get hold of him and he gets what what what, what do you do round three so round one we've got the swans yeah. we've got the bombers round three where prices start changing and he comes out and scores another 15 or a 20 there and that's going to be in his yeah. cycle for three weeks and, and that's screwed. my worry about it there because you're in no man's land with him. And they could pump, they could put a hundred points on him quite easily, like re- realistically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, you know, he might get some consolation goals in the fourth quarter that are met that worth three super coach points each, you know? Yeah. And it, <laughs> it like if, if he'd shown me in the past where, you know, he consistently scores fifties easy, but it's the problem. Like he, he could come out against Essendon and score a hundred the following week. He can score 11. Like it's just not, a, and and it's coming back from his a long term injury. His off ball work isn't really great, is it? No, he, no, he has that's no the off the ball work. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Because we just talked about the sun for, setup. If it's he's not a contested marked. mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing there if it's not a contested mark, or yeah, he's he's not really great at ground level. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm on a no. I, I haven't really been on a yes for a long time, and there's nothing really that I've through all the research that we've done in the preseason. 
he would have to come out and absolutely blow me away in that pre in the preseason games for me to be interested. I'm in hoping actually he does. I want him to kick two in one of them because <laughs> I think they could get. I think they could get to fifty percent, and I'm happy to play oh. against that. I'm happy against to play yeah, against thirty percent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm. I mean, in my team, and I'm, I'm actually going to be recording my pod after this. Yeah. But, same. Um, I'm looking to go a little bit deeper in my forward line than most. Yeah. Because, and and part of the reason is these forwards that everyone's banking on, uh, you know, making them cash. They're not like the forwards of last year or the year before. They're not Jarman Impey. They're not Jack Zebel. Like these guys were, you know, yeah, forwards. R- rumor is mid- they are Jack Zebel, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah, the goat, I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. All right, next next, next rookie, um, mate. Let's, uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's so I'll, we'll briefly touch on Bailey Humphreys. So I don't think he's really a, um, an option there, but 184K uh, forward mid. Um, look, he's he's a, a lead up, you know, Heaney type player, of course. Um, impact player. Um, he's not really one that you traditionally say would be a great super coach option uh, early on in his career. He could be one to watch, but at his price, he's kind of a bit of a write off for me at this point. I don't, I can't see myself going close to picking him. I'm not even sure how close he is to being in, say, a round one team. Um, but he's a guy that will be on our radar for in a few years. Um, but he's definitely a, a forward more than a mid and not the other way around. So um, those sort of players are re- generally slow super coach stories to start with and they can pick up as they go along, but they don't have the role to be able to make it worth it at his price at 184 yeah, 84K. Um, so that's just my opinion. Connor Blakely, 123K mid. I think he's a bit of a waste, to be completely honest. I don't, I, like... He's sort of a, a a lot of people's placeholders. He's not playing unless they get an injury. Like the, he's not their best twenty-two. I don't think he's their sub. I think that um, if you've got him on your bench, he's probably not playing unless he might. You might. You might get a downgrade option during the season if there's a big injury or something like that. But he's not in their regular twenty-two. What are your thoughts on him? And I suppose you could probably pocket that with you know Charlie Constable is probably in the same boat. Yeah, well, Constable, Constable, and Blakely are both in seventeen percent. Again, yeah. so it's no, nah, I can't. I, see I just them don't. Playing. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of either pick unless, like we saw it. Like if they come in the preseason, they're both you know picked. It's a different story, isn't it? Um, out of interest about Bailey Humphreys, um, because he went sixth in the national draft. Where do you take him in keeper? On that, because keeper is going to well, be on that. Um, uh, most people are going to take Ash. Well, everyone should be taking Ashcroft with pick yeah. one. But so here's the thing with guys that so this is an important consideration. So with keeper, it's important to draft guys that are going to play in that position. He's probably going to be a forward for most of his career for super coach. Therefore, he's got a bit more value because. Guys that you know start forward and work their way in the midfield eventually will change. And if they're not a top tier mid, they're going to be completely useless for you when they switch into that mid only role, right? So if he's going to contain, uh, you know, maintain that forward status and be say a, a ninety five to one hundred and five averaging forward, he's got some real value. Um, and I do think that that's where it will probably sit with him. Would I? I don't. If you take him in a keeper league, I mean the top three guys like main mids are probably. A, a lot better, a lot better. Obviously, Ashcroft is is an absolute jet. You know, um, Elijah is Satar. Is it Satars? Yeah, Satars. Whatever. Yeah, he's going to be an absolute super coach jet as well. He's he's got he's going to have the role in that midfield that's going to set him up for some good super coach scoring early and long. 
Um, I'm not sure whether I would even jump at Bailey Humphrey at this point. I, I probably would pass on him. There, there's a part of me that likes Cam McKenzie more because Hawthorne yeah, I like Cam McKenzie opportunities um, yeah. and, he, and he does kick the ball. So, and if I'm taking yeah. a forward, I'm taking cheese or if I'm in that position, and I'd, Humphrey, I'd take Jai Clark as well. Yeah. Because he's more likely to get that Selwood role and that, and yeah. just the way Geelong's going to transition their, their team going forward. Um, and, and, so, he, and he could nearly make the argument as much as, um, you know, you've got like Elijah Hewitt there, who's already looking like there'd yep. be a great midfield option. Um, so you're in that, then it becomes Mateus Philippou. Who's in that same situation as a same situation? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so so I'm then not it's a coin flip. So the, okay, yeah. So I'm not hot on the yeah. Humphrey um, Humphrey pick as well and keeper and that. I, I think obviously if it gets if I'm sitting there at pick ten and the others are off the board, well, yeah, okay, I'm left with no choice. But it's yeah, all live trade the pick. And yeah, get something of value. Mm. You know, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not too hot i don't like drafting guys like that that are potential to be okay yeah um i need to see the the fruit before i'm gonna yeah, throw a big draft pick at them so yeah I, i'm completely agreeance with you in that regard yep, um now some draft relevance now i don't really I mean, this is something that ben written he's always been hot on brandon ellis i've never i don't know he's just always that guy that will come out and bop in and, and go drop a 120 and you go oh Ellis dropped a good score, and then next week he drops a 60, and you go, oh, that's right. It's Brandon Ellis. <laughs> mate, <laughs> so, mate I've, I had years of it. He was my whipping boy when he was at Richmond. <laughs> um, there was that The Freo game where we, we still laugh about that. I think it was Grimo and I, that Brandon Ellis kicks the match winner. We're like, we can't believe it. Ellis is the hero, and then Monday, literally 10 <laughs> seconds later, kicks the winner. And, that, and, like, and we're like, of course, the footy gods were never letting Brandon Ellis be a match winner. Um, no. Yeah, I, like I, I love. I actually have enjoyed watching him more play at the Suns, and that I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him that he, he's playing his role there. But it's, it's a bit hit and miss. We talked about like sort of that Freo, which side of the wing and or which side of the halfback they come through that particular game. And there's some games they come through Ellis for everything, or he takes the intercept marks and he can he pops up and goes 120. There's other weeks where there's no ball that goes through him, and you know he, a few kicks here and there. So. He's too inconsistent as a a choice. He's not a bad one for your drafts and that um, because, you know, he will still average, pretty, you know, fairly well and, and he's and he's pretty durable. You know, he stays in the park and that, you know, I had a yeah. few issues last year, but, um, but you've got to be willing to, he's the sort of guy that, you know, he, he's probably better for, in a way for classic. He's never a classic standard player because throughout a whole season, yeah, he, he might average you 85 to 95. He's got that range in him, but he's going to annoy yep. you in your head-to-head matchups. He's going to win some for you. He, <laughs> he's the sort of defender that he's going to come in and score a 140. You know, and people yeah. are like, oh, my God, how did I lose to Brandon Ellis? And then the next week he scores you a 50, and you're like, oh, my God, I lost because of Brandon Ellis. Pretty um, much. Yeah. I actually, from for the from the defenders, from the Suns, I, look, like he's coming back from injury. Will Powell is probably the one that I'd more look at um, as someone that can potentially score a little bit more. Um, so Wellers obviously still out you know, with an no, injury. No, Powell went down with injury. This is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our keeper league because um, I literally had a but trade. I had to a, be back rounds one. Or I two. had a trade set up in our keeper league, ready to go, and the 
like literally the next day, Powell goes down injured, and the guy, I forget who it was, messaged me back and said, "Don't worry about that trade anymore." And I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> um, but yeah, he Powell's definitely a, a very good scorer if he comes back. So not yep. um, one now. But, he's almost back in full training. He's, oh, okay, he's, um, he's getting close. He's running and he's yeah. yeah, he's he's getting close to full training again. Um, so I actually saw a news report on him yesterday, good. I believe. So yeah, I, look, he's a guy that is he's going to have. Uh, basically the reins off that half-back line moving forward. You know, they don't have Markov anymore, obviously. He was delisted. Um, so they're going to have a, a mover, and they love his use. I do like the way that he uses the ball. So he's one that I can see um, sliding as well, um, especially with, you know, everyone knows that he's obviously injured at the moment. So one that you can pick up and draft um, pretty late and with some pretty good upside. So I don't mind Will Powell. I, I prefer Will, uh, Will Powell. Over Brandon. Yeah, for sure, because honest. Alice, you're paying more of a premium compared to what. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and that's about it, guys. Um, is there anything else that you, you want to touch on for Gold Coast, mate? Mate, or? we've literally spoke for three hours about the Suns and that. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're good, mate. We're good. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for that. We'll catch you next time. I'll see you later. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry.